Good evening, good evening, and welcome back to the Across the Tracks podcast. I am Steve. And I am Wayne, and yes, we are back. Uh, first weekend in March, and uh, spring's right around the corner, so feeling good, my friend, feeling good. Yes, yes sir, and next this time next week will be uh, Daylight Savings Time, which That's uh, right. we mentioned the last little episode uh, that uh, daylight saving time's coming up, so we're going to spring forward, gain a couple um, uh, minutes of, of time and daylight, and then we'll uh, move move forward from there, my friend. Yes, sir. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Tonight's episode, we have a few things to talk about. We want to talk about uh, bad behavior of... Um, of um, Students at big games in which um, the losing team gets uh, jostled around a little bit when when students get excited for a big win and they storm the court and, um, you know, just get out there and and get what kids do, get out there and kind of um, raise hell for a minute. You know, it's part of being a, a youngster. Uh, we're going to talk about LeBron James and him um, reaching another milestone. We'll mention another basketball little tidbit with a um, female basketball player uh, from Iowa, Caitlin Clark. And then we'll talk about uh, Yertle the Turtle, our guy, McConnell, and his... Um, his run as the uh, leader in the Senate um, coming to uh, an end. Mm-hmm. And then finally, a um, uh, anniversary slash remembrance of an event that happened in 1991 with uh, the Los Angeles Police Department and one Rodney King. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, so that's where we are for the episode this evening, and um, I'll let you start it off with um, uh, court storming at the uh, college hoops things here. Yeah, yeah, so there's been a few incidents here lately, and, uh, you know, some of the sports analysts, they were debating this issue about, you know, what can be done about court storming or field storming. Sometimes they storm the field when it's a football game or whatnot. And here lately, a couple of athletes have gotten hurt when fans have rushed onto the court. Uh, the latest was, I think it was um, Wake Forest defeating Duke. And as soon as the buzzer went off, man, the, the students just came out of the stands onto the court, ran over a Duke player, uh, banged his knee. Um, fan ran over him and he hurt his knee. Fortunately, uh, it wasn't an um, uh, injury that would keep him out of competition but just the fact that, you know, you're you're being, you know, a mob of people coming at you, you're trying to get off the court and, you know, stuff like this happens. And then the other incident we'll, we'll talk about later with another incident with this young lady, Iowa, Caitlin Clark, same thing. Uh, they got beat. The students stormed the court. She got ran over by a fan. And so the issue is, one, should court storming or field storming be allowed? And uh, because of the the chance that an athlete could get seriously injured or a fan could get seriously injured. And uh, my view is, okay, yeah, kids, students, you want to be kids. You want to, as we said before coming over there, you want to have a chance to raise hell for a few minutes, you know, after your school beats, especially some of the the big schools that – Folks like to take a shot at the UKs, the North Carolinas, the Kansas, those level programs. Uh, One of these schools beats them. It's like, you know, hey, it's a huge thing. But I think for athlete safety and the safety of fans, because uh, as some of the analysts pointed out, you lose a game, you're already pissed off because you've lost the game. And now a mob of fans are running at you. And they say something nasty to you or they put their hands on you or something. Who's going to fault an athlete for 
shoving that fan or getting in that fan's face and doing something. So, and, and I guarantee you, if the athlete does that, they're going to catch hell over it versus the fan is probably just going to be, you know, hey, you know, it was a moment, blah, blah, blah. But the athlete would probably catch hell if they put their hands on a fan. So from my perspective, I'm like, why do we need to do this anyway? I mean, <laughs> you won. OK, you can celebrate. But this court stormy running on the field, it's dangerous for both parties. My view, get rid of it. And if the schools aren't going to sanction it, some of the analysts, sports analysts mentioned, well, maybe the NCAA can get involved. But I, I wouldn't trust the NCAA to do anything <laughs> about anything. But I think it's probably up to that school that, uh, you know, you have plans in place to prevent students, fans, whatever, from as soon as the buzzer goes off, you're running on the, the court or the field and you're putting yourself in harm's way and you're definitely putting the athletes in harm's way. So I say get rid of it. Um, don't need it. Uh, there's other ways to celebrate winning, uh, winning a big game other than what's going on right now. And it's it's it can be bad for both parties. That's my two cents on it. Back to you. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I kind of agree. However, I think this is the case. Most schools have a policy that says you can't do that mm. at the high school level. At the college level, they have those plans in place. The problem is, how do you stop 16,000 people from rushing the court? Mm. Especially the way that basketball courts are set up and some college fields and high school fields are set up that the court is within feet of the uh, fans, mm -hmm. okay? Within feet of the fans. So you can get a rope I, at the schools that I coached at and at the high school that's the other high school in our township, which they this school can see over 5,000 fans. Southport High School. And what they do is they'll get a rope line and stretch the rope around the court mm. to say, okay, you can't come on the court. Well, you're not going to stop 3,000 kids from getting on the court. I mean, if there's an opening, they're going to find a way of getting out there, especially mm -hmm. if it's a rivalry game. It's like, you know, our school in that other schools, Southport High School, you know, we're we're rivalries. You know, our school mm -hmm. is the young school. Our school was created the same time E Town High, the new E Town High School was created, basically. Same mm -hmm. year, like 1973. And so Southport, you know, it came around in 1895. So it's, you know, and we have this rival. And when our team finally broke through and beat them in football after 13 tries, the kids stormed the field. They were excited about that. But the way that the situation is set up is that you, you just can't do it. There's not enough bodies to stop those people. Now, if you start shooting them, maybe they'll turn around and go back. But that's not going to happen either. The only other thing that can happen is that when they build these stadiums is to um, have a, a separation or a kind of a moat between the court and the fans. Um, I remember when the NCAA was coming to Indianapolis to play in the um, RCA Dome or the Hoosier Dome, or whatever the hell they called it back then, or even Lucas right. Oil Stadium. When they play basketball, you know, the stadium is, is built for football. So there's this, the, the basketball court is on a platform that's probably four to five feet off the ground. Mm -hmm. And then you've got all this area between the fans 
and the um, the court. So that way it would be a little bit easier for fan control. You can have more people down there to keep them from running up to get on the court. That's the only way. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, um, kids are going to be excited, especially if, you know, you take down the number one school and you're unranked. Hell yeah, you're going to be excited. And so I disagree with them doing that because people are going to get hurt. People have gotten hurt. And you mentioned if someone if someone came out there and put their hands on me, I most des- definitely will probably retaliate. Right, right. Because I'm already I'm already going to be pissed off because we lost the game. And then mm-hmm. you're going to come out there and bump me and jostle me and mess around with me. Oh, no, that ain't right. going to happen. I'm already pissed right. off. So, right. you know, it's it's a catch 22. I, I don't agree with them doing that because of liability for the kids and the players and the coaches and the athletic trainers and everybody out there, the security people. Mm-hmm. But then again, you know, kids are going to get excited. They're gonna get yeah. they're gonna they're gonna get fired up when they take down, you know, the number one school or beat a rivalry and so on. Mm-hmm. The NCA is gonna have to, and I'm sure there are rules for it. I'm almost positive there are rules for that, but mm-hmm. you just can't stop thirteen thousand kids from rushing the court. Right, right. That's my take on it. Yeah, I know it. You know, we're we're talking pro games and you know where during even during timeouts i mean you've got security walking all around the court just during a timeout to make sure no one gets on the court um you probably have to employ you know multiple layers of security especially especially at a game like you say that you know we're unranked but we've got the number one ranked team in the country coming into our house to play and we knock them off uh, and maybe that's something you coordinate ahead of time with the local municipality or something like, hey, we need to have multiple layers of security for the court to prevent this. I don't know. But I know at pro games, as soon as a timeout is called, security is blanketing that court to make yeah. sure no one runs onto that court. And then once the timeout is over, they go back. And you you see that occasionally at some college games as well. Uh, but uh, it, it's it's causing a few issues. And uh, fortunately, like I say, a couple of people have gotten hurt when the rush um, came down upon them. Fortunately, they, they were able to continue playing the next game or whatever the game after that. But um, it is a scary situation. And like you say, right now, it hasn't happened and no one has got in somebody's face and said something, hey, we beat your ass and all that. You know, nobody's <laughs> done that. But I'm afraid that it's probably going to happen down the road. Somebody's going to say something to a player from the opposing team. That person's going to get pissed off. They're going to touch them. They're going to say something and they're going to get knocked out. And uh, <laughs> then all hell is going to break loose. So, yeah, yeah it's a catch 22. Uh, yeah. And I, I'm not sure. If there is a definitive answer, I think some of the analysts uh, came to that same uh, conclusion the other day. Like, what can you really do um, to stop this tidal wave of people, you know, running onto a court or a field? I mean, it's hey, yeah. I guess it's part of the college experience. I, yeah, yeah, I never yeah. ran onto a quarter field. I don't know. <laughs> I have not either. Yeah, I, 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 no, I have not either. Um, the only the only celebration I have taken taken part of a huge celebration was when we were living in Seattle. Seahawks won the Super Bowl that year. They had a huge function downtown. Everybody was downtown, and uh, it, people were just out and about, man, celebrating that the Seahawks had won the Super Bowl. That was, I think, the biggest thing I've ever been. And there were thousands and thousands of people downtown. Yeah. So, um, but running on a court or running on a field, nah. Usually Evidence. because we're we're the ones that's on the field or on the court. Right, right. <laughs> when you we know, were able, so that, we were that pleasure, able so. and eligible to do so. <laughs> right, right. 
So uh, interesting case. We'll see what happens. But um, it's this last incident with the Duke and the Wake Forest thing really, uh, really brought it to light because one of Duke's star players was one of the individuals that got ran over and, and hurt his knee. And fortunately, it wasn't career threatening or anything like that. But just the fact they showed the video, it's like this this person hit him hard, man, you know, running in the celebration. And it's like, well, luckily it all turned out well. But it's something bears watching as things move forward, especially with uh, Final Four coming up and March Madness. It's going to get crazy. Oh, yeah, I agree. It's I agree. Get... Well, speaking of crazy, let's let's transition to. Um... Yeah. LeBron James and yeah. his his milestone. Let's let's let you talk on that, man. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, here what a few months ago, um, LeBron became the all-time leading scorer in NBA, passing Kareem. Kareem had thirty-eight thousand some points. LeBron eclipsed that record. And people were wondering, it's like, well, you know, is is he going to be the first person to get to 40,000 points? Well, the answer is yes. <laughs> uh, last night, he eclipsed the 40,000-point mark. He stands alone as uh, the most points scored in NBA history, 40,000 and some change. Uh, I can't remember what the exact number was, but um, – I I don't know if anybody's going to eclipse 40,000 some points. I mean, the way I don't know, man, I don't see it on the horizon Um, with he's 39. He's going to be transitioning out of the league here probably a couple of years. Steph's 35. KD is 35. Uh, The high octane scores that are around. uh, And LeBron was never known as a scorer. He, He was known as a guy that was a pass first kind of guy. But scoring was not his thing when he came into the league. He could score, but he was not like a Steph or a Kevin Durant, that type of player that just could get buckets or a Booker or somebody like that. But here he is. He stands atop the mountain as, as with a record that I, I don't know, man, if anybody's going to ever eclipse 40,000 points. You know, uh, it's a feat. And uh, I, I give the man props. He's still going strong. 21 years in the league, 39 years old. He's the best player on the Lakers. I, I have to give him that. But uh, how long can he go? I don't know. But right now he's the king of the mountain with mm-hmm. uh, 40,000 points and, and and then some on top of that. So, yeah, uh, we have you guys. I was a national televised game. So. Uh, it was it, it was big. And, I, you know, hey, you, you don't see things like this uh, that often. Uh, but I think um, we're fortunate, man, to have seen uh, or been around to see. We saw pretty much all of Kareem's college career. I didn't see Kareem play in, in high school, but saw a lot of pretty much all of Kareem's career at UCLA. Right. UCLA was on TV quite a bit back then. Saw a lot of his uh, games with Milwaukee and pretty much the Lakers. So we we saw Kareem score a lot of points in the NBA. And uh, and then now we've we've seen LeBron. We've seen Kobe, all the top five people that that were chasing Kareem at the time. LeBron has passed all of them and he he's alone at the top of the mountain. So. So your thoughts. Yeah, 40,000 points. It's a feat. I, I didn't happen. I did not see him do that. Uh, when he yeah. broke Kareem's record, I was on a cruise and just happened to be kind of meandering around the ship and walked by a Playmakers Bar and Grill on the ship, and the game was on, and they had a countdown clock on yeah, there, the, yeah. the number of baskets. And um, I was there and I sat there and watched it. Now, normally, as I've mentioned before, I don't watch NBA basketball simply because it's not the NBA that that I prefer to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't even know that he was even close to, you know, 4,000 points. So, so within a year, he scored 2,000 points. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Within a, yeah. I think it was last year, last fall or year before, something like that. I forget. I know I was on a cruise. 
but he scored, uh, gosh, 2,000 points. I mean, granted, I mean, they play 82 games in a normal season, and that's that's with management of how they do athletes now, play a game, set a game, play a game, Mm -hmm. set two games, play two games, set three games. You know, with all that going on, he was still able to do it. That's a feat that I'm not going to say will never be passed before again, but, you know, they said that about Kareem. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, there's there's yeah. somebody somewhere that can come into the league and, and do that, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but, yeah, it was a great feat. I, I give him props for that. I know mm-hmm. that he, he's going to try to, play until his son gets into the NBA and quote unquote play with his his son LeBron Jr. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we don't know if that's gonna happen. Tomorrow's not promised to anybody. Right. And right. You never know he may get injured or something like that. Don't want him to. Right. But uh I mean I think he's been a pretty decent ambassador to the NBA. He's the most outspoken person in a I guess positive way. Yeah, uh, and yeah. he deserves. He's he's not only done it on the field, but he's done it off the field, and he's got all types of companies and uh, production mm-hmm. uh, things. He's he's done it right. I mean, since the yeah. kid, yeah. since he was a kid. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. congratulations yeah. and uh, more props to him. Yeah, gotta 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 give him some love. Um, you know, for uh, for all he's done on and off the court. So, we'll see, man. Uh, like I said, the game has changed so much. Uh, now that it's more perimeter uh, than than what we remember growing up watching professional hoops, there's there's hardly no post play anymore. Everything's perimeter now, and like you say, guys rest a lot more than they did, and so it's possible, man. There's some kid now uh, shooting hoops in their driveway that uh, will come along, and uh, we may we, we probably won't be here to see it, but. Uh, <laughs> What do they all say? All records are meant to be broken, and uh, we'll see. We, like I said, we we probably won't see it, but um, you know, there's probably a kid right now that's that's got that. Like, hey, I want I want to break that record. So you never know. But uh, for now, he's the king on top of the mountain, and uh, he's got a, probably a couple more years. He, you know, like he said he wants to play with his son, but. Uh, uh, there was a little issue here last week. Some some analyst put out a mock draft, uh, and his son was listed as a second round draft pick, not a first round draft pick. So that caused a little uh, little issue in the LeBron camp. He put out a tweet that he uh, later deleted. Uh, but uh, you know, folks were saying, "Hey, man, you know, you sort of put this out here." putting the spotlight on your son that you want to play with him and this or that. And so now people are critiquing his game, which is fair. And uh, I've seen him play a couple of times. He's a decent ball player, but as people used to say back in the day, man, you ain't your daddy. (laughs) And uh, so we'll see, man. What was that? Even if he's a second round draft pick, he's going to be drafted. Right, right. He's (laughs) going to be drafted. I mean, you, you but, still got to get in, get right. in the league and, and make yourself, you know, how many how many other people are second round draft picks and play in the NBA and do well? Right. Right. OK. So, you know, I mean, yeah, LeBron st- sticks his little X or tweet out there and pulls it mm-hmm. back. And I mean, the kid has been he's been under a microscope his, his entire mm-hmm. life. So. Absolutely. You know, as you mentioned, he you put it out there, so right. You know, right. don't it's pull it back game. now. Right, it's fair game. Yep. So we'll see, but uh, you know, let us not digress from the the initial topic. Is hey, he's the king, he's the top of the mountain, and uh, like I said, some little kid has probably got their eye on that, and uh, we'll see, man. If if uh, you know, see how things go with the rest of his career. So. That allows us to transition to another hoop item, and uh, I watched this game today because I, I I I am high on this young lady, man. I'm a Caitlin Clark fan. Uh, she broke Pistol Pete's record today, 
So she is the all-time leading scorer in Division I basketball for men or women. She's got the record. And so you and people are already comparing her record to the amount of points that Pete Maravich scored. He only played three years at LSU because at the time freshmen couldn't play. Right. And there was no three point field goal. So Pistol Pete averaged 44 something points a game. I mean, he shot the ball majority of the time uh, back in the day. So but. She stands alone. She 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 won the record. She beat Lynette Woodard's record. Uh, she beat Kelsey Plum's record. And now she's alone at the top of the heap, uh, men or women. She is the she is the queen of college basketball as far as scoring goes. And she's declared for the WNBA draft. So this will be her last year at Iowa. So. Uh, she's going to make a lot of money. Uh, I think she's already got a built-in fan base. She's going to be playing in your city for yes, the Indiana Fever. I heard that. And she's going to be the number one draft pick. And I'm telling you, man, Indiana's got a good squad. It, I, I highly recommend you go check them out, man. They got yep. a good squad. Aaliyah Boston, who came from South Carolina, she was the number yep. one draft pick last year. And now you add Caitlin Clark to the mix, what they already have. Indiana is going to be a good team next year. They're going to be a good team. So, um, yeah, kudos to Caitlin Clark pulling that off, eclipsing Pistol Pete Maravich, uh, who I also, man, I was I was a Pistol Pete fan. We, we oh. watched him all the time on the SEC game of the week back growing oh, yeah. up, you know. Yeah. So, uh, but she stands alone now. So give her some props as well. Show her some love for achieving that feat. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'm just, the buzz. I, I I get to watch the local news every morning. Okay. And um, the Indianapolis local news that is because of stream mainstreaming. And so I watched some home news every morning, and and they were talking to um, a former um, Indiana Fever who coaches one of the high schools in Indianapolis. And uh, basically said, oh, yeah, she's going to be first pick in the in the draft and Indiana's going to probably embrace her. And so mm-hmm. the buzz is already already there, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Yes. Uh, and with uh, the girl from South Carolina, I can't think of her name now. You just mentioned her. Oh, Aaliyah Boston. Aaliyah Boston. Pink hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And. Um, yeah, between those two and the rest of the rest of the squad, they should, you know, oh, yeah. do well if she stays oh, yeah. healthy. Yeah. That is, yeah, you know? yeah, she, yeah, she, she's gonna be box office. I think, man, she, she is, she is, she's gonna draw a lot of crowds to games. Um, she's already making a lot of money through NIL, and uh, you know. She, she's going to be she's a small town kid, you know, grew up in Iowa and, uh, you know, staying in the Midwest, so to speak. And uh, Indiana is going to embrace her wholeheartedly. This this is a, one of those fairy tale type scenarios, but it's perfect because Indiana was like, you know, they won the, the draft pick and everybody was wondering, OK, out of the top three or four players right now in, in women's college basketball, who's coming out? So it was Caitlin Clark, Paige Beckers at UConn, the young lady that plays at Stanford. I think her name is Brink. She's a center. And then there's a young lady at Tennessee that's getting a lot of buzz, too, that uh, that that's coming out as well. But Indiana, they hit the lottery. So it's going to be interesting. It is going to be interesting. But she has eclipsed the record and, uh, you know, got to give her props, man. Yeah, as as the. Spring and the summer wears on, and we get back to India. May have to go down there and check out some games because they play mostly yeah, in the man. summer. So, yeah, it, you know, if, if it it might it might get you back to loving hoops. <laughs> oh yeah, I watch I watch female. I watch the ladies basketball over yeah. the guys any day, even at yeah. the college level. Yeah, you yeah, know. it's it's uh, pure basketball. If you want yeah. pure basketball. And They're I, starting I tell a lot to of, trend a little bit of, you know, starting to carry the ball a little bit too much there, a little yeah. bit, yeah. but it's nothing like um, no, the NBA. No. Oh, speaking no. of the NBA and and how the game has changed, have you seen any of the spoofs on YouTube about 
this this one guy who makes fun of the NBA players. Uh, yeah, the guy traveling. who does all the different moves and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I've seen some and, of his videos. The sad part about it is that the moves that he's showing, they're doing it on the court. <laughs> yep. They're yep. taking 18 steps. They're drilling the yep. ball three and four times after after they're changing yep. their pivot feet and so on. Right. I'm like, right. the NBA has just, uh, I, yeah. you know, it's it's like tennis where yeah. all they do is serve and volley. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. pro tennis, serve and volley. There's no, there's no, you know, uh, backcourt stuff mm-hmm. that really goes on, especially with men. Women, they do they do have a lot of backcourt stuff in tennis that is. Yeah. But yeah. the men you serve it and you volley, hit the ball and get right. but for yeah. the NBA it's the same thing. You know, the women's basketball, you know, is more pure basketball than the guys. Mm-hmm. To me. Yeah. You know. And you've pointed it out yeah. for years since we've been doing this broadcast, you know. Yeah. Um and I tended to watch a little bit more. So yeah. yeah, I'll I'll watch it. I'll go. Yeah, you you're gonna have a you're gonna have a good squad right there in your backyard. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. she she is going to electrify um she's gonna electrify that city. I, I think the fever, man, they, they may they may take some shine away from the Pacers. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. They and may the take some shine away from the Pacers. The Pacers have had a decent year. They are. They're they're yeah. playing good. They got a good young group of folks on there. They made some trades here that uh, made them even better. Um, are they going to come out of the East? No, they're going to be in the playoffs, but they're not going to come out of the East. Uh, but they're going to be in the mix. And uh, they've got a good young guy, Tyrese Halliburton. He's a good, good kid, man. Plays, yeah. plays solid. He was an all star this year. And um Ben Matherin. I mean, they've got some guys, man. The Pacers have really improved. So, you know, if you bored some night, want to do something, go on down to the field house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Check out a game, you know. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's so, uh, move from the courts to the Senate. Let's move to the Senate. And I know you love this guy so much, so I'm going to let you have this segment. <laughs> I know you love this guy so much. We're going to let you kick it off about our dear friend from our old home state. He goes by a plethora of names, but I'll let you kick it. <laughs> he hasn't been convicted of anything, so he, he, he still can be held accountable in, in the court. And uh, as long as he can do it, <laughs> our yeah. our man Mitch Mitch McConnell <laughs> this week has basically said that he's given up his Senate leadership. He's passing yes, it on, sir. passing the torch on to somebody else. Yeah. Well, he's he he he's it's time to to give it up. He's he's in frail health. You know, he's fallen and tripped and banged himself around enough that. You know, he, you know, he, he thinks he's going to be like Nancy Pelosi, I guess, and be the, the wizard in the background and have everybody come to him. But he's been in Senate leadership for 30 years and has literally, he calls himself the Grim Reaper <laughs> because he's such an asshole. Yeah. Um, and he he cheated Merrick Garland out of his his um, uh, Supreme Court appointment because he said that in order to um, in, in, instead of bringing his Senate his nomination up to the Senate, it's up to the American people for the next president to choose the the next president, and that next next president will get to make the choice of who's going to be on the Supreme Court. Right. And so he held out Merrick Garland's uh, nomination for over a year. And then orange Julius Cheeto Jesus became the president. 
and um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and I was praying that she wouldn't die, but she passed away. And then Cheeto Jesus got to nominate three people for ungodly mm-hmm. reasons. Why does he get to nominate three people? And so, um, and it was an election year, also 2020. Yeah. And the the previous year, he says we're going to let the American people decide during the election. And then when it came turn for. Amy Barrett, Comey, every Comey Barrett or whatever her damn name is, came up. Then he goes, oh, well, yes, I'm going to going to get push it through as fast as I can. I think it took a total of 60 days yep. from the beginning to the time that she was confirmed uh, to be on the Supreme Court. So he's, as you said, speaking out of both sides of his neck. OK. And saying one thing and then doing the other when he has the opportunity to put another conservative on the court in which that conservative helped overturn Roe v. Wade and mm-hmm. and Orange Julius Caesar's candidates or nominees did that. And now the Republican Party is in the pickle because of that. And some of it's his fault. Yep. You know, he needs to go. I, w- I wish that uh, Amy McGrath would have beat his ass the time before, you know, yes, but sir. it didn't happen. So he's going to serve the rest of his term and going to go off into Mary Maryland in Kentucky or D.C. Mm-hmm. or someplace. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. yeah, that's that's our that's our bitch. Mitch. I mean, our man, Mitch, what are your <laughs> thoughts on him? Uh, yeah, man, he 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 needs he's he needs to go because he's done a lot of underhanded shit, man. And, uh, you know, he calls himself a leader and he was one of the ones that stood up on the floor of the Senate after January the 6th and laid the blame for the insurrection right at the feet of Orange Julius Caesar. He, he yeah, the president is responsible. He, he was he would he didn't mince any words. But yet, when it came time to get your leadership together and convict this man after he's been impeached in the House, you balked. And so a lot of the problems we're having right now with this idiot being back, being able to run, I laid at the feet of Mitch McConnell. Okay, I don't know what he does for the people of Kentucky. I mean, I've I've been there so much. I don't know what the hell he does for the people of Kentucky, except take credit for stuff that he didn't vote for. You know, uh, Orange Julius has talked about your wife, made made racial remarks about your wife, and you still kiss this man's ass. So it's been time for him to go, man. I don't know what he's going to do. Don't really care what he's going to do after he leaves. But his track record and the legacy that he left behind, it's tainted, man, because you did a lot of underhanded crap. That now we see it, it's hurting America, man. It's hurting America. And we're, we're facing, I think this is one of the biggest elections this country's ever had. And if it goes south and uh, we come under the, the we end up in a, the realm of a dictator being on board, Mitch McConnell's responsible for a lot of that. He's the one who did not stand up and do the right thing after January the 6th and cast a vote to convict this man. And he didn't do it. He's been kissing his ass ever since. So now that he's old, he's frail, he's sickly, now that you've done all your underhanded, dirty deeds, now you're going to walk off the stage. So good riddance, man. That's how I feel about it. Good riddance. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't (laughs) been to any uh, Orange Julius Caesars or Agent Orange's uh, campaign, uh, like mm. Lindsey Graham, who who he he made fun of last week, uh, he he keeps his distance from uh, Agent Orange that yeah. way. Yeah. But you know, if if he's the nomination, are you going to vote for him? Well, yeah, I'm going to vote for him. I'm going to vote for him because he's my party. Of course he is. Of course he is. Yeah. What a what all a these punk. people. Go ahead. I know. Just gonna say, what a punk. You know, you can't stand yeah. up. You can't stand right. up for what's right. You know the difference between right and wrong, 
Yeah. And you vote for wrong each time you have a chance yeah. to do it right. Yeah. I think it was him, Lindsey Graham, and it was one of the that that, that got up and spoke very quite passionately about they how about about how they felt about someone trying to overthrow the government mm-hmm. and stop the Senate from doing their appointed duty to cast the electoral votes and elect the president of the United States. And they both spoke passionately about how they felt that who was responsible for this foolishness. And they both punked out and didn't do the right thing. So, yeah. you know, your, your, your track record sucks, man. And, and you did a lot of dirty crap to President Obama. You did that. You did that, not giving Merrick Garland a vote, as you mentioned. But you did that on purpose because you had clandestine meetings. And your thing was, we got to make this guy a one-term president. He was the right. individual behind that as well. Yep. And so you 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 didn't do anything to help President Obama. You sabotaged everything this guy tried to do. And now here you are. You want people to, oh, I'm leaving, I'm stepping. Nobody gives a rat's ass. You're not Nancy Pelosi, buddy. You don't come close to Nancy Pelosi. And so you, you're going to walk off the stage and you may stumble, who knows, but your your record's tainted, man. And I, I Kentucky's probably going to give him a big welcome back party or whatever. Oh. But uh, you know they love him so much. But I'm I'm like, what do you, what have you really done for the people of Kentucky? I, I don't know, man. They're going to name half uh, Louisville after him. Yeah, I yeah. mean they they voted this guy. And when did he he took D Huddleston's spot? And that was what back in the 1984. 80s? 84. 84. Okay. 84. 86. Yeah. I mean, you you've been in and yeah. I, no. Ride off into the sunset, my friend, and keep riding. And I wouldn't be surprised if uh, my man who ran for governor here this last time unsuccessfully. Oh. I wouldn't Cameron. be surprised if he doesn't try to maybe get back in the mix. And run for Mitch McConnell's open seat in Kentucky, Daniel Cameron. What you want to bet on that? Oh, I, I, I'll take you up on it. Vegas is probably would take you up on it too. And you know, that's that's what this is his is his father father in law great father in law. Yeah, he he's married to Mitch McConnell's granddaughter. I think that's that's the relationship. He's married to Mitch McConnell's granddaughter. So something tells me he didn't he didn't he didn't win the governor's race, but to get back in the mix, I wouldn't be surprised if he runs for his uh, Senate seat for the state of Kentucky. I would not be surprised, and I wouldn't be surprised if people voted for him and elected his ass. So yeah, yeah, not going to be a governor. So, he's going to be a senator. So yeah, we can do that. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. my god. He, he, yeah, I don't. Uh, so it'd be him and Rand Paul, uh, that that Comer, who's another idiot. Mm. Um, <laughs> I mean, he I, he's one of those people, man. You like to punch him in the face, man, because he's so stupid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he just, he just he just he irritates the hell out of you, man. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the Kentucky people, I'm like, man, y'all are y'all are something else, man. Yeah. Speaking of Comer. Anyway. We're going we're gonna to go down this rabbit hole. We're going to chase this rabbit a little bit more. Alice, we're going to chase this rabbit. Okay. Um, Comer brings in Hunter Biden this mm. this uh, week to testify, and Hunter Biden makes him look like a damn fool. Yep. <laughs> you know, looking at the transcripts, they're they're laughing at that committee. They're laughing mm. at. Comer and the Republicans on that committee because yep. of dumbass questions and no answers that they had for Hunter Biden. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's it's pitiful. And it he's, is. he's from Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky's got a name for itself now in, in the um, in our Congress. Yep. You know, dumb and dumber. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. gosh. Yeah. Yeah. He he's yeah. Hunter Biden flipped the script on all of them, man. 
and they had no answer for nothing that, that he did. They had no answer. They saw all sitting there with egg on their face. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it, it just tells you, man, that these people, they could care less about governing and doing what's right for the country. We got major issues going on. And here you are, you're trying to impeach a sitting president who you have no evidence that he's done anything wrong. But on the other hand, your boy who's been indicted, what, 91 times, got 91 things against him. You don't see anything wrong with that. But you're going after a man that, that has done nothing wrong and bringing his son in and getting in it, getting personal about his drug. Yeah, he's admitted he was an addict. But, I mean, it's petty, man, the way these people function, man. And like I said, our guy from Kentucky, he, he's the head guy of that committee, and he looks he looks like a total idiot. So yeah, the head anyway. of all those all those house committees are literally idiots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the blind lead the blind, man. Yep. Stupid. <laughs> yep. Stupid is stupid does. That's right. So, and I think Forrest said that, right? Did Forrest yeah. come say that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Tom said that. If you've ever read the Forrest Gump book, Forrest never yeah. says that in the book. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You should read it. If you got some time, read Forrest Gump, the book. The book is really, really good. And and Forrest never says, Mama says, you know, like a box of chocolate. He never says that either. Okay. The book is really good. Forrest does a lot more than what you see in the movie. Okay. Very interesting. Oh, yeah. It's a a really good read. Okay. Yeah. So, anyway. Sorry, anyway. Alice, we had to come out of that rabbit hole. No problem. It's all good. <laughs> we talked about well, our buddy. We'll see. We wish him well. Yeah, 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 yeah. We wish him well. All right. Um, yeah, let's talk about the last thing here. Today is uh, March the 3rd. Yes, sir. And it is the infamous anniversary of an event that took place in Los Angeles when a guy got a brand new camcorder and um, stepped out on his balcony to uh, take some photographs to see how this camera worked. And from him stepping out on his balcony, he filmed the Los Angeles Police Department beating the crap out of Rodney King, which made major headlines simply because black folks in Los Angeles, black folks across the country have been saying that there's been a huge outbreak of police brutality against people of color. And Congress and the state legislatures and the police department should do something about it. And for the first time, it went national and people actually saw what people had been talking about for years. These police officers beating the hell out of Rodney King, fractured his legs, fractured his cheekbone. And for the first time, people can go, oh, that's what they were talking about. Just like on Bloody Sunday, when... uh, uh, they went across the Edmund Pettus Bridge. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what they're talking about. That's what they mean by police brutality. That's what they mean by the Civil Rights Movement and John Lewis walking across and getting the hell beat out of them. Martin Luther King Jr. has been going through. Oh, that's what we, if we can see it, we mm-hmm. can kind of feel what these people are going for. It's not just made up. It's not a lie that these uh, Southern um, politicians are saying that this isn't true. Our police fo- our police officers are good folk. And they wouldn't do stuff like that. No. When you see it, you can feel the intensity. I felt each one of those blows as those police officers was hitting Rodney King back on March 3rd, 1991. And you can't hide from the truth. It's like being the football coach that I was. When I watched film... Some, someone did something wrong, and during the game, I'd go, what did you do that for? Well, I didn't do anything. Go back to the film. <laughs> is this what you're saying? I saw yeah. you do this. You know, yeah. I saw you poke the guy in the eyes. The film don't lie. 
Rodney mm-hmm. King, the film didn't lie. George nope. Ford, the film didn't lie. Nope. Th- and that was, you know, that was that brings us, you know, I mean, that 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 was the reason why Kaepernick took a knee yes. to highlight police brutality in this country. And it got turned into a whole nother narrative that was way off base from what it what he himself said. This is why I'm taking the knee, you know. Um, yeah, that was that was that was brutal, man. Um, I just I happened to be overseas at the time. I was still in the Air Force. I was in uh, I was in the I was in Japan in 1991. So you can imagine that the the coverage of this was somewhat censored, even though we had television there. It was somewhat censored, and they were. The base leadership uh, was a little concerned that, uh, you know, what's going to happen here <laughs> because, yeah, you know, uh, you know, what's going to happen. And uh, fortunately, nothing did happen. But people became very angry about what you're watching. You I mean, you they beat the hell out of this guy, you know, and. Uh, you know, like you say, all the injuries he sustained and and the, the sad thing about it, we watched and all four of these cops got acquitted. Yep. Got acquitted. And so America, the major cities, the urban areas in these cities, they went up. They they they, they went up in flames, man. And uh, the rioting, the looting that took place in Los Angeles, some other major cities, um, you know, it was it was it was outrageous, man. And then um, what I remember was Rodney King having the courage, even though he had been beaten within an inch of his life, he had the courage to come out and just ask a simple question, man. You know, why can't we all get along? Yeah. You know, and I'm and I'm think to you know I said a few years after I was like, man, Rodney should have patented that phrase, man. <laughs> he should have patented that. And put it on a shirt and ask, like, why can't we all get along? I think wars that's the same thing. Why can't we be friends? Yep. I mean, that episode and this guy, you know, I, he never came out and said he forgave these guys. But he was just asked, like, you know, what, what's the issue here? Why can't we get along in this country with one another? And soon after he passed, uh, what, a couple of years after that, a few years after that. But uh, we'll remember that, man, for probably for a long, long time when, you know, seeing this guy getting beat down like that. It was it was sad to see. Yeah, it was. And like you said, when the police officers got mad, I mean, got got off, not mad, but got off. Mm-hmm. It just made black folks more right. more outraged. Right. And right. You, you think four years later. O.J. Simpson gets caught up in his thing yep. and is found not guilty. Yep. <laughs> now, I was at a a Best Buys type place when O.J. was found not guilty and the black people cheered. And they yep. cheered simply because of what happened with Rodney King and those police officers mm-hmm. getting off and so on. And yep. four years later, the chickens had come home to roost. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And so I black folks cheered for OJ mm-hmm. not going to prison or not, you know, being convicted. And if if, if they would have did those cops right, OJ's ass would probably be convicted. And black folks mm-hmm. wouldn't have thought anything of it. Right. Yeah, I was I was back in the States when OJ and uh the day was a Friday. I think the verdict came out on a Friday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was working in the headquarters building uh, for, uh, for Air Force Space Command headquarters building, and we were all watching the TV, right? And when the verdict came in, black folks didn't cheer. It was a few of us there, but you could tell black folks were like, yes, yes. And <laughs> white folks, you could have saw the looks on their faces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, ooh-wee, you know, and to this day, I believe OJ did it. As Cedric said at the at barbershop, OJ did it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, but at the time, like you say, man, black folks were fed up, man. It's like, when are we going to catch a break? 
and OJ gets acquitted. So yeah, black folks were happy. Like, yeah, it's about damn time. Right. So, uh, unfortunately, man, it, it took, um, you know, I, yeah, I, I felt so bad for Rodney King and during that. And, uh, you know, I forgot, man, that it's it was today, and I I saw they mentioned it <clears throat> earlier today that it was uh, <clears throat> 1991, March 3rd, and I'm like, wow, it's been that long, yeah. man. Like I said, Rodney has since passed on, but uh, that is something in 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 the the black community. There are things that we don't ever forget. I don't think we'll ever forget Rodney King. We'll never forget OJ. We'll never forget. George Floyd and a few other things that that resonate in the black community we'll never forget. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's just the way it is. Just the way it's it is. Hill. Yeah. You know. Just the way it is. Yeah, we just we just won't forget those. You know, Emmett Till yeah. was the Emmett catalyst Till. for the civil rights movement, you know? Yeah. You know, yeah. Rosa Parks. You just won't forget those Rosa things. Parks. Yeah, the the four was it the four young girls that got killed in the bombing of the 16th Street yep. Baptist Church, uh, Megger Evers getting killed and and no justice for him until what almost 50 years later you can yeah 1977 I think it was yes yeah. I mean so yeah, yeah, we Della always Beckwith. what was that I said Byron Della Beckwith yeah Byron Della Beckwith yeah you finally convict this guy. And so these episodes keep playing over, man. They're on, they're like a reel to reel that just keeps playing, man, in our community. And we just see like, there is, there is no justice, man. And so, yeah, we were quite happy when OJ got, got acquitted, you know, and uh, be it right or wrong, but yeah. you know, it is, it, we'll, it is we'll say, what it is. We'll, we'll say that, you know, we're sad that, you know, Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Goldman lost their lives, right. you know, as a result of that. But then again, you know, as mentioned, we we were tired of, you know, this stuff going down and not ever seeing any justice. Right. And it's just right. us going to jail, not the right. police for doing stuff right. wrong. And, and fortunately, we were entering an era to where people were actually filming things. So you can't yep. say well, that never happened because now people were like, as soon as they saw something, they're whipping out a phone and they're recording everything. And they've got now you've got the proof to back up what people have been saying all this time. So you can't run and hide anymore. So, um, yeah, unfortunate uh, that. uh you know, those two young people lost their lives. But like you say, man, black folks were fed up. They they were tired of of seeing certain people go free and, uh, you know, our people getting locked up and being victimized. And it was man, it, it's it's the way society was at the time. And in a way, things really haven't changed all that much because, uh you know, had not it been for the young person who filmed uh, Derek Chauvin standing on George Floyd's neck, we would have never knew that. We have never knew that. We have never knew that. So, uh, yeah, sad, sad anniversary to remember, but uh, it, it's something that's pivotal, pivotal in the uh, in the annals of the, of the black community. So we that is why we mention it tonight. All right, my friend. Well, we've we've come to the end of our stated topics, and uh, to keep it real, we're gonna we're gonna move forward. Um, yes. Uh, there'll be some things coming up next week that we'll we'll discuss, uh, and we'll see what happens. So, if you're out yes, there sir. and you have any uh, uh, inklings of topics that we want to talk about, you can just send it to it, post it on a little Facebook page, or uh, just get in contact with us um, through SoundCloud or any other major medium that holds podcasts. Let us know, and we'll be glad to uh, answer your questions and or um, get back get back to you and possibly use your ideas as topics. Yes, sir. Okay, we're just two small town guys from Elizabethtown, Kentucky, and we're gonna say it like we see it. And we're going to move forward from this point on. With that being said, 
in my broken Italiano, Chiliamo Dopo. And I will bid you sayonara till we meet again. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are of those of the individuals and do not reflect on the official policies or positions of any government or corporation.